Good morning. Welcome to the Jefferson County Podcast for the People. I'm your host, Helen Hayes. I'm the Director of Public Information for Jefferson County. And with me today is Deborah Snyder. She is the Executive Director of the Children's Hospital Intervention and Prevention Services Center. It's a little bit of a mouthful, but I think the acronym for that is CHIPS. And we're going to talk a little bit today. It's a subject I don't like, to be quite honest with you. I mean, child abuse. But it's very important, and the services that you guys provide are very important. So, Deb, tell us just a little bit about what you do and what CHIPS is. All right. So, we purposely go by CHIPS, um, and Children's Hospital Intervention and Prevention Services does not have the words child abuse in there, and we did that strategically. Um, The intervention for CHIPS is we provide forensic medical exams if there's suspected child abuse. Um, The intervention is also counseling services for the children um, that may be listed as probable victims of abuse. We also provide counseling for the non-offending caregivers. Um, Sometimes it's even siblings that may be witnessed uh, the abuse or that are having some sort of uh, issues because they were not targeted and they're feeling guilty. Um, So we'll just look at the needs of the family. The um, prevention, the P in CHIPS is prevention. And that is when we talk to the community about preventing abuse. And CHIPS is also used by several schools um, to meet the mandate of Aaron's Law. And Aaron's Law started a few years ago. And the mandate is that sexual abuse prevention education is required for the schools to teach. Um, The schools found out the year that the law passed in um, August and school starts in August. And so they reached out to CHIPS to help with those presentations. We've been doing them in the school systems before, just um, when we were invited or if there was an issue that the school had to deal with. And now um, we're in several of the school systems in Jefferson County. Very interesting. And I know it's an incredibly valuable service. I think, you know, child abuse and heightened awareness of that comes in a lot of different cycles and with things you see on the news. Can you talk a little bit on what people need to look for and what are some of the signs that a a child may be in danger and may need help? Absolutely. Um, The thing to remember is that these signs and symptoms can be signs and symptoms of other things other than abuse. But if you're seeing a pattern, um, if it's being repeated, so it could be that all of a sudden a child is fearful of someone or going someplace. Um, So an example might, you know, be they've always been fine going to, you know, the uncle's house and maybe spending the night there with cousins. And now all of a sudden they're, you know, fretful or crying or saying they don't want to go or, you know, that that house is gross or yucky. And that's going to, you know, cue the, you know, adults that care for that child into, you know, finding out more information and seeing what else, you know, they they might be uncomfortable with. It could be, you know, for physical abuse, if you're seeing, you know, marks or bruises that aren't typical, you know, what a child should be having. You know, 
from the knee to the ankle, you know, bruises on kids there, you know, that's just so typical. Um, but if you're seeing, you know, what appears to be burn marks or, you know, strap marks that are leaving marks or causing, you know, this child problems even sitting down, um, that, you know, that's a clear sign or symptom. With, you know, suspected sexual abuse, if a child is um, also having trouble sitting um, or walking, that might be, you know, that there's some sort of issue that's happened. So any change in behavior, so a new onset of fears, new nightmares, um, a kid that's, you know, outgoing, all of a sudden becomes withdrawn or quiet, or your quiet child all of a sudden is, you know, crazy manic um, and, you know, real talkative. So any changes uh, with the child's behavior that you're noting, it's like a cue in, even if it's not abuse, just a cue in that something else is going on. Excellent. Really good points. So if you, if you see some of those things, how do you approach that with a family member or what is what is the correct way to address it or maybe shed some light on it? Yeah, sure. Um, the easiest way is if you can go ahead and have already established or go ahead and establish an open dialogue with kids. And I've, I raised three and I had to pick and it didn't have to be long, the little quiet times that I could just devote to that you know, one child, you know, between work and school and homework and extracurricular activities, you know, we're, we're on the run a lot. So one of my children, the best time to talk to them was at night before they were going to bed. Another child that I had was a morning, you know, person, and that's when they were fresh. Um, another one was after school. And if you ask open-ended questions to give them the opportunity to talk, so not questions where it's just yes or no. And if you've gone ahead and established that open dialogue and communication, then it's easier when there's a problem or something you're concerned about. The thing not to do is to interrogate them. Because when kids are asked a bunch of questions over and over again, they think they're in trouble um, no matter what. And so the best way is just to say, you know, tell me something good that happened to you today. Was there anything that happened today that made you feel unhappy or uncomfortable? Well, tell me a little bit more about that. And I, I, I challenge adults that I talk to to win Academy Awards. So if a child is telling them something that's uncomfortable or it's something related to child abuse, that you try not to have a really strong reaction, which is really difficult to do, um, especially if it's your own child. Um, and, and just try to listen, thank the child for telling you, don't make any promises you can't keep um, because they might tell you, please don't tell anyone else, you know, this needs to stay a secret. And you kind of do that dialogue then. A good time to talk to kids is when you're driving in the car, they're seat, you know, seat belted in, they're in their car seats. If, you, if they don't have their electronics, if you've got the radio off, and if it's an uncomfortable topic, you're really not even making eye contact with them, which, you know, can be easier for the adult. So a lot of times that's sometimes a good time to talk to kids. What age group do you find is the harder age group 
to talk to. I, I imagine, you know, as kids become older and they become teenagers, they're like, maybe talking to mom and dad's not really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When we talk about prevention, um, education, you can start around 18 months. Wow. And when you're in the bathtub, you know, or when you talk to babies, here's your eyes, here's your nose, here's your mouth, your eyes are for seeing, your nose is for smelling. And you can talk about their private parts. Now, the doctors I work with, I'll be honest with you, they fess at me. They're like, Deb, you should be using the anatomically correct terms for private parts. And I know I should. But the Aaron's Law teaching kids about sexual abuse prevention is fairly new. And, and we're in Alabama, we're in a Bible Belt area, and it can be an uncomfortable topic. So we do use the words private parts, but any family that's using the anatomically correct terms, that is absolutely fine as well. The thing that I steer people against is the funny little family nicknames for private parts, because if you think about a, a kindergartner going to school, and maybe this is the first opportunity that they've had to tell someone outside their family if abuse is happening, you know, within the family home. And for instance, they say um, to their, you know, kindergarten teacher, Miss Jones, my uncle's messing with my pocketbook. Miss Jones might say, oh, well, they shouldn't be taking your candy or your lunch money. But in that child's head, they have just told a trusted adult, someone is abusing me. Because right. unfortunately, a term like pocketbook is, you know, a term for a female front private part. It's a yep. slang word. Um, kids, if they're only you no know, dirty words or bad words, they might be afraid to tell something's happening because they're afraid they're going to get in trouble for saying the word. So if we start at this early age and we build this foundation of talking about things that make you uncomfortable, things that make you, um, you know, worried about abuse. Let them know the adults they can go to. So if you start at 18 months, we start doing these presentations in um, preschools or child care centers with kids age three. Then some school systems, the kindergartners, first, second, third, whatever grade the school chooses, and then middle school, and then when, by the time we get to the high school, if they've had all these lessons, the topic is easier. Right. Now, you're absolutely right. The high schoolers usually sit and look at us like, you know, you're boring. This is just something else that someone's telling me I can and can't do. But we try to remind them, even if you're in high school, people being taken advantage of, people being tricked into bad or poor relationships it happens to adults too. Sure. And when they graduate from high school, if they decide to go to college, join the military, join the workforce, they are going to get a talk about sexual assault or sexual abuse prevention, even you know when they're adults. So we talk about being a building um, communication and building these foundations all through. When we talk to the high schoolers, we're also going to talk to them about dating relationships that are healthy or unhealthy. Um, we're going to talk about human trafficking issues. We even start talking about that in the middle school because that's kind of the age range that's targeted the most. And we talk to them, you know, we hope they never have to use our safety plan sure. that we teach kids. 
but we want them to know it just like they know what to do. If there's a fire, they've got a safety plan. If there's bad weather coming, the schools teach safety plans. You know, if there's lockdown intruder drills and I, I've been around and in the schools long enough. I remember when we first started doing the lockdown intruder drills and kids were crying and now they can't wait to tell me. Miss Deb, Miss Deb, I know what to do if I'm in the bathroom. I wouldn't know what to do if I'm in, you know, the classroom. I know what to do if I'm in the hallway. And so that education and that repeated education, like I said, building on that foundation, it gives them the knowledge that gives them the ability to be empowered and know what to do. Right. You know, you talked about knowing what to do in a weather situation, knowing what to do in a fire. The thing that's different with abuse is the people doing the abusing are often use bad words, things against them to try and control the victim. And that can be a a lot harder to deal with unless you've really been working with the children, like you said, from a very young age. And you try to, the safety plan is very easy. And of course, the vocabulary that we use for the younger kids is going to be a little different than the vocabulary for the elder. But the basic premise of the safety plan with any form of abuse is you try to say no or stop. You try to get away or get out of that situation if you can. And then you find your power because they've lost their power if they're being abused and they find their power back and they find a trusted adult to tell. And we really emphasize that it's never, ever, ever the child's fault. It's never, ever the child's fault. And we say, try to say no or try to get away because obviously Helen, there's going to be situations where they didn't have a chance to say no. They didn't have a chance to get away or because most of the time it's someone that they know, that person's going to know what the child's afraid of. They're going to know what they like, what they're curious about, what they think that they need or want. And they bait or trick them um, into these you know, relationships. And it, it's slow a lot of times. It doesn't just start out with you know, hello, I've just met you and now I'm trying to, you know, abuse you, but it can be a slow grooming process. And a lot of times the family is also tricked into trusting this adult that um, may be abusive. With sexual abuse, it's really a lot of mind control as well as taking, you know, trying to take control of their bodies. With physical abuse, a lot of times the prevention is, if people can understand child development, um, I, you know, I've heard so many times people, you know, the baby just starts to walk and they think they can be potty trained that fast. And then the baby gets physically abused for, you know, accidents because they're trying to potty train too young or, you know, especially in this time of added stress with with COVID and financial stress and kids being at home more, just the parent, just they're, you know, they're losing it um, because they've got all these other factors that are causing stress. And unfortunately, the child's the easy target. Um, So a lot of times physical abuse uh, is thought out. And a lot of times it's just a reaction to a lot of stress. 
So if we can have these open conversations and if people can be mindful of you know, the, the stress that they're under and, and seek out help just for themselves and very much understand child development, you know, a baby pulling your hair is not a baby being mean or bad. That is just a you know normal development for a baby. Sure. I was going to ask you during COVID and in the past year, has your center seen, seen an increase in people coming to you needing help? Have you seen issues with that? We, um, you know, like the rest of the world, a year ago, uh, it was it was the seventeenth that we left the center, um, and we were working from home. Our medical team, of course, was coming in if there was a need for an exam. Our counseling team was doing telehealth. And three days after virtual school started, our phones were ringing off the hook. Um, I had phones forwarded to my phone and our counseling coordinator had phones forwarded to her phone. And it was just people going, you know, I've got three kids and they're not wanting to do this virtually, and they're not listening, and I don't understand this computer, you know, issues, and then, you know, am I going to be unemployed? We we don't have enough, you know, supplies, and so the stress level just increased. We had a record-breaking year in 2020 counseling sessions that we provided, either in-person or telehealth. We were very much worried because our schools Um, A lot of times it's the teachers that note that change in behavior, the pattern, and the teachers, the trusted adult often that the child will go to. So we were worried that there weren't other eyes on children that normally are. We have seen a lot of severe um, physical abuse uh, during this, you know, pandemic, Um, a lot of really hard cases to even talk about. Um, But we're so happy to be here at CHIPS, and we have a specialized team of physicians, nurses, counselors, and social workers. And it's my understanding that there are four specially trained physicians that deal with child abuse, and three of them are here uh, at Children's of Alabama and at the CHIPS Center. One was in the Mobile area. I'm not sure if she's still practicing down there. So, and then we also have a SANE nurse, sexual assault nurse examiners here at the hospital. So because that's all we do all day long at CHIPS is we know uh, how to help the children feel less anxious, how to help the family, how to educate, do what we call psychoeducation. We talk about child development. Anything that will help prevent abuse or if the abuse has happened, we're here for that child and family. A key thing with the medical exams, a lot of people will, you know, say, well, the abuse happened over a year ago. Why would I put a child through an exam? Well, it lets them know their bodies are okay. And that's the beginning often of healing for these kids. We have kids that, you know, they think that they're damaged and that anyone walking by can know that they've been physically or sexually abused. And that's so not true. And we can address that, you know, and help them with that self-esteem and know that they are, you know, still worthy of love and appropriate affection and, and things that are, you know, normal and appropriate. 
Well, a lot of great information. I really appreciate your time with us today. How can people reach you if they want to get more information or maybe if somebody feels like they know somebody who may need help or if they need help themselves? If within Jefferson County, if you are worried about uh, the safety of a child or suspected abuse, and that's the key word, suspected, you do not have to prove it. You don't, do not have to have evidence. But if you're suspicious of abuse, if you'll call Jefferson County Department of Human Resources, and we'll, Helen will get that number, um, the appropriate number. If a child is in immediate danger, please call 911 if you think there are immediate uh, issues that need to be addressed. The number for the CHIP Center is 205 638 2751. Um, you can also go uh, online and look up the CHIP Center um, on the web, and it will give you more information about Children's of Alabama and CHIPS. Well, thank you. I'll put all those phone numbers and the link to your website in the thank show you. notes for this episode. So thank you so much. Once again, Deborah, thank you so much for being here. And if anybody out there listening has some other topics that they would be interesting in hearing about on the Jefferson County podcast for the people, please feel free to send me an email. My email is Hayes, H-A-Y-S-H at jccal.org. And I'd be happy to look into that and try to get some more information. So Deb, once again, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. All right, and we'll see you next time on the Jefferson County Podcast for the People.